0: Join me in prayer. Lord, thank you that we hold in our hands your precious communication to us. You are knowable. You have made yourself known to us through your word, and I pray that as we come around it this morning, we would, in fact, learn about who you are. We would know you better. We would long to know you better. God, may we pant after you this morning. May we pant after your living word May it accomplish what you wanted to accomplish in our lives for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. There was this true story of a 33-year-old truck driver named Larry Walters. Larry Walters went to his friend's house, inflated 45 six-foot weather balloons with helium and attached these balloons to aluminum lawn chair tethered to the grounds. With half a dozen friends holding the tethers, he donned a parachute, strapped himself into the chair, placed a BB gun on his lap, and waited for takeoff. Sitting in his lawn chair, powered by these balloons, his friends let him up slowly. Well, he shot up like an elevator to 16,000 feet. He began getting numb and shivering in the high altitude, so he used his BB gun to pop some of the balloons to come back to earth. On the way down, his balloons draped over some power lines, briefly blacking out a small area in Long Beach, California. The chair dangled five feet above the ground, but Larry Walters was able to get down safely. Well, the FAA was not amused by the flying lawn chair. A regional safety inspector said, we know he broke some part of the Federal Aviation Act, and as soon as we decide which part it is, some type of charge will be filed. He went on, if he had a pilot's license, we'd suspend that, but he doesn't. Well, this stunt earned Walters a $1,500 fine, the top prize from the Bonehead Club of Dallas, The altitude record for gas-filled clustered balloons and international admiration. Later, when asked why he did this, Larry Walters answered, Well, since I was 13 years old, I've dreamed of going up into the clear blue sky in a weather balloon. He added, And after all, a person can't just sit around and do nothing. (laughs) Well, to go to that extreme for little excitement is ludicrous. But we shouldn't just sit around and do nothing either. We really don't have to create an adventure, for walking with God is already one. When we met Jesus, we married adventure. A life by faith in God is is far from predictable and anything but tedious. But I must ask you, believer, have you lost your sense of adventure? Has your Christian life become kind of drab? Is there any way in which you are stuck in mediocre lands? Oh, let's not become God's frozen people, okay? I mean, when was the last time you jumped into anything? Ooh, that sounds dangerous. After all, we're conservatives. (laughs) Someone defined a conservative as one who sits and thinks, mostly sits. (laughs) And contrary to what you might think... It's not within my nature, believe it or not, to be a risk taker. I order the same thing off the menu nine times out of ten. I stick with my favorite kind of ice cream. I travel the same routes. I typically play it safe. I cringe when I hear someone say, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I like my routines. I like my schedule. I like my checklist. I like my usual way of doing things. Now, routine should not be despised. Planning is not wrong. There is a place for being orderly, prepared and organized. And I suppose I could even argue that certain ruts aren't so bad. It's my understanding that there is this sign along the Alaskan highway that says, choose your rut carefully. You'll be in it for the next 200 miles. (laughs) Well, our study... And the book of Ecclesiastes has been cause to choose our ruts carefully. And at the risk of sounding redundant, I remind you again to join me in living for what really matters. And when we do, our days on earth will be anything but monotonous. And our Christian life can soar as we were made to do. And that is where Solomon takes us in this section of Scripture this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. If you're not there, please turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I want you to follow along with me. I want you to ask, is it true what he's saying? Is it here? You've seen the bumper sticker that says, Life is uncertain. Eat dessert first. Well, Solomon is saying, Life is uncertain. Embrace it. Embrace it. A phrase that is used three times in the first six verses of chapter 11 is the phrase, you do not know. The end of verse 2 says, you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Verse 5 says, you do not know the path of the winds. And then the middle of verse 6, you do not know which will succeed. In other words, if we wait for all the information to come in before we do anything, we will never do anything. If we wait for ideal conditions or for all our questions to be answered or for everything to fall into place before we do anything at all, we will do nothing. One person put it, Life is a mystery to be lived out. Rather than a problem to be solved. Are you paralyzed by uncertainty? Are you stuck in over analysis? Are you overwhelmed by the things you don't understand? Do you sense right now that that, that God might be launching you out in a new direction. But you're perplexed by the details? Listen, you do not know how we'll all come together. You do not know the twists and turns of life. Face it. Embrace it. You do not know. And neither do I. Don't let that intimidate you. Rather, embrace the uncertainties of life and keep moving. Let's not just sit around and do nothing. Lillian Cox Turned 103 last month. She's the oldest woman to get a driver's license in Florida. Lillian is known by her friends as Spunky. Spunky was asked the secret of looking so good and having so much spunk at 103. She replied, drink a lot of water and don't sit down and just do nothing. Keep busy. That's my secret right there. Oh, that we may have that kind of spunk. Spunk. Life with God is an adventure. Will you embrace the uncertainties of life? Well, I'm looking at this section of Scripture for today. I want to give you three statements and then two qualifiers. Three statements and then two qualifiers. It's not brilliant, but it will work. Three statements and then two qualifiers. The first statement is, instead of hoarding, release. That's the first statement. Right from Scripture here. Instead of hoarding, release. Release. Follow along as I read verse 1. Verse 1 says, chapter 11, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Now this verse has nothing to do with feeding the ducks, just in case you were wondering. Casting your bread upon the waters is the picture of merchants who would load their ships with grain and then be sent off. We could translate it this way, send out your grain in ships. In other words, as you release those seeds of grain, you would not know for a time what would come of your investments. You won't see a return on your investment unless you make an investment. I mean, that sounds obvious. But some people live expecting to get a return when they haven't deposited anything. Some are waiting for their ship to come in when they haven't even sent one out. Some want to receive benefits without having to invest any time or any money or any talent or what have you. Many live like the man in the story Jesus told who hid his talent in the ground for safekeeping. That man who played it safe, received a rebuke from the master when he returned. Remember that story? Getting and keeping for oneself is rebuked. Releasing it and giving it away is rewarded. And as Americans, we have been told that to be successful, we must think in terms of getting. So we collect, we gather, we hoard. And we wonder why life is so unsatisfying and unrewarding. A good return in God's economy begins with giving it away, releasing it, casting it upon the waters. I mean, is it risky to give it all away? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the point. A man was lost in the desert, just dying for a drink of water. And he stumbled upon an old shack. As he glanced around, he saw a pump in the shack about 13 feet away. It was an old rusty water pump. He stumbled over to it, grabbed the handle, and began to pump up and down, up and down. Nothing came out. Disappointed, he he staggered back, but he noticed off to the side uh, an, an old jug. He looked at this old jug, he wiped off the dirt and the dust, and he read a message that said, you have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug, my friend. And P.S., be sure you fill the jug again before you leave. He popped the cork out of the jug, and sure enough, it was full of water. Suddenly, he was faced with a decision. If he drank the water, he could satisfy his immediate thirst. Ah, but if he poured out the water in the pump, maybe it would just yield fresh, cool water from down deep in the well and all the water he wanted. He studied the possibility of both options. What should he do? Pour it all into the pump and and take a chance on fresh, cool water or drink what was in the old jug and ignore its message? Should he waste all the water in the jug on the hopes of those flimsy instructions written no telling how long ago? Well, reluctantly, he poured all the water into the pump, and then he grabbed the handle and began to pump. Squeak, 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 nothing came out. Squeak, 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 a little bit began to dribble out, and then a small stream, and finally a gush. To his relief, fresh, cool water poured out of the rusty pump and eagerly he filled the jug and he drank from it. He filled it another time and once again he drank its refreshing contents. Then he filled the jug for the next traveler and he filled it to the top. He popped the cork back on and he added this little note. He said, believe me, it really works. (laughs) You have to give it all away before you can get anything back. We're faced with those kind of options every single day. Do we settle for something ordinary by keeping it for ourselves, or do we give it all away and really live? Do we drink from an old jug full of water, or do we find true refreshment by giving it away? Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. We have to generously give it away before we get anything back. And verse 2 makes that very point. He says, give portions to seven, yes to eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. See, give generously rather than grasp tightly onto the things we have on loan. It seems to even suggest here that we are to invest in several places and not in just one. When merchant ships were were sent out, it was possible that they would not return if something could happen to them along the way. So don't put all your grain in one ship, it's saying. Spread out your investments so that if one ship went down, you wouldn't lose it all. So give your portions to seven and even eight places. A modern cliche would be don't put all your eggs in one basket. Be creative, he's saying in verse 2. Think outside the box. Watch for the rot of, of doing all our giving the same way we've always done it. Broaden your horizons. Consider ways we can continue to give away our resources. Give generously. And don't keep track. Don't wait for thanks. Don't expect it to be reciprocated. Just go for it. Don't hoard. Release. Well, the second statement comes from verses 3 through 5. The statement is, instead of waiting for things to change, change. (laughs) Instead of waiting for things to change, you change. Verses 3 through 5. It says, verse 3, If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, and the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind, whoever watches the wind, verse 4, will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. What is he saying here? He's saying some people spend all of their days observing the obvious and noting the inevitable. There are some things we cannot change. We can't change the weather, we can't change taxes. We can't change the final scores of games. We can't change people's responses. We can't change the passing of time. And on and on it goes. But if we wait until we have absolutely perfect conditions, we're like one waiting on the winds. I mean, what are we doing sitting around watching the (laughs) winds? Do something, he's saying. Why do we worry about where the tree falls? Get on with life. Why be preoccupied with whether the clouds will bring rain or it's sunny? Pursue this thing they call life. Life is passing us by, folks. We don't get a second chance at this. This is it. In what way are you waiting on the wind? In what way am I? Have you put your life on hold until things improve? I mean, is it true that if you leave things alone, you leave them as they are? No, it's not true. G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He said, a white fence post left to itself will soon be a black fence post. (laughs) See, each day we face the decision, stay the same or to change. And so often, isn't this true? So often we want things to change, but we don't want to change. So we sit and waiting on the winds you know what it really is? Excuse making. Excuse making. What will happen over time with your excuses and with my excuses is that we will actually begin to build an airtight argument for why we can't do something. We will, in fact, begin to convince ourselves that these excuses are justified. Folks, excuse making is sin. Let's call it that. So the question is, what is your excuse keeping you from living for what really matters? What excuse is delaying us from venturing out? Do we need to own that excuse making today? Fool's excuse, wise people repent. Instead of waiting for things to change, change. Well, the last statement is taken from verse 6. The last statement is, is, instead of sitting around measuring success, do something. Instead of sitting around measuring success, do something. Verse 6 says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. There are many things we do not know. Those are the uncertainties of life we must embrace. But we do know this. We do know that the one who harnesses the wind, who dispenses the rain, who hand forms the baby in the womb, he is the one who is in control. So let's go about our business for God, leaving the results with him. Now, frankly, I am absolutely tired of America's obsession with results. I'll tell you how I really feel. We measure success by the number of noses, or the number of digits in our salary, or by square footage, or by the things that own us. I mean, the things we own. (laughs) And you know what? The seduction of success has crept into the evangelical church. It has. It has. Go to the bookstore. We don't know when our efforts will succeed. The final outcomes are in the hands of the Lord. It's his will that prevails. You see, the question isn't, will things turn out right? The question ought to be, am I doing the right things? Am I faithfully and obediently carrying out his work? Because in the end, that's the only thing I have control over. So do me a favor. And and do each other a favor and pay a lot less attention to outcomes. Instead, pay a lot more attention to obedience and faithfulness. We're to go about our work even though we will not know how it will all turn out, leaving the results with God. To me, folks, that's exciting. The pressure's off. (laughs) It's off. I don't have to worry about the results. That's an adventure. So instead of sitting around measuring success, let's do something. And when we do, we gain a whole new appreciation for life. That's what he's saying in verse 7. It says, light is sweet. It pleases the eye to see the sun. A believer should enjoy a sunset more than anyone, don't you think? He goes on, verse 8. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. Are you enjoying life? Well, maybe you need to tell your face. <laughs> maybe I need to tell mine sometimes. Are we enjoying it or are we just enduring it? Come on, be honest. Verse 9, he says, Be happy, young man, while you're young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. And Solomon was a living example of seeking adventures of significantly lesser value than the real adventure with God. And sadly, hear me on this, sadly, many young people today are not sufficiently challenged by real life meaningful adventures they're going to turn to fictitious adventures it's happening all the time it's their way of breaking what one writer calls the deadly monotony of a society which to them has become overorganized fossilized and impotent is what many young people think of the christian life as they observed it in others, as that over-organized, fossilized, and impotent. They, I don't want anything to do with it. I'll find my own adventures. No thanks. Now, let me say something to young people here, because it's right here in this verse. Try being sold out for the Lord. tried a lot of other things. Try being sold out for the Lord. Consider the advantages you have in your youth To live to the fullest in him. You have less responsibilities. You have more energy, that's for sure. To take in all that God would have for you. I know there are a lot of uncertainties as you look ahead to all that is in front of you. It can be unbelievably scary. But don't let that paralyze you. Embrace those uncertainties and go for it. These three statements apply to all ages instead of hoarding release. Instead of waiting for things to change, you can change. Instead of sitting around measuring success, do something. And then after Solomon says that in verse 9, to be happy, to follow the ways of your heart, whatever your eyes see, in a go-for-it kind of cheer, he then seems to put a damper on it by adding this at the end of verse 9. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. It's kind of like saying, hey, hey go for it. Eat all the candy you want, but your teeth are going to fall out. <laughs> See, we're going to enjoy life now, not later, but there are two qualifiers. There are two qualifiers. The first qualifier in living this adventurous life is to stay within God's boundaries. Stay within God's boundaries. You see, enjoying life is not a license to dishonor the Lord. If you go outside the boundaries God has set up, it will not lead you into freedom, but rather a life of self-induced pain. A fish and a fishbowl won't find freedom by jumping out of the tank full of water and onto dry ground, for that would be the death of him. So he puts a qualifier here that all these things God will bring you to judgment. There are boundaries. Let me give you an example. As many of you know, I enjoy windsurfing. Windsurfing requires wind. Brilliant. And often... I will rig my sail, and then I will wait on the wind, and when it blows, I go. I remember this one time when I was windsurfing along the coast of Maine with a friend of mine. He was at a a much higher level of windsurfing than me, and he he could go places further from the beach than I could go. So he gave me this one instruction, and I respected him for this. I respected him as a person, but he gave me this one instruction. He said, see that buoy right there? I saw it. Don't go past that buoy or else you may find yourself further out than you will be able to handle. Well, that seemed reasonable enough. So there I was, having the time of my life, windsurfing out to this buoy and then back to the beach. Several people along the beach were watching. I kind of thought maybe they were admiring what I was doing. Things were going well until I caught this gust of wind in my sail. I took off to this marker and I had to make a choice turn around and lose my momentum or keep going beyond the buoy well I followed the way of my heart and did what my eyes could see and I kept going beyond that buoy I mean man it was fun until (laughs) until I looked back and realized the great distance between me and the shore that I had created in my moment of fun I dropped the sail and then attempted to return to the shore it wasn't happening I was drifting further and further out to sea, and and not only was fear starting to overcome me, but more importantly, so was it my embarrassment. (laughs) My friend had to come over and rescue me, and I sheepishly admitted that I had gone beyond the boundary marker. It was very humbling, especially as I was forced to paddle back to shore on my board face my many admirers. (laughs) You see, a life of faith is an adventure. And embracing the uncertainties of life, let's not see how far we can sneak away from God and not suffer the consequences. This life to be enjoyed is within the markers he has set up. And he says, don't go past that. Don't go over here. Don't do that. Why? He knows what's best for us. He doesn't want life filled of of consequences that trail with us forever and ever and ever. Let's not go beyond the margins of what is wise, prudent, and obedience. That's qualifier number one. There's a second qualifier. It's found in chapter 12, verse 1. Solomon says, remember your creator. Remember your creator. Verse 6, he says again, remember him. When it speaks of remembering, it is more than simply not forgetting. It's to act, the word means, to act decisively on behalf of someone. In the biblical account of Hannah, it speaks of God remembering Hannah in her barrenness, acting decisively on her behalf than she conceived. Remember the Creator God by celebrating the life He's given us. Remember the Creator God by dropping this commitment to self-sufficiency and instead entrust ourselves to Him. Remember Him by releasing instead of hoarding, changing what is in our control instead of waiting for things to change, and by doing something instead of sitting around, being a, a, a spectator. So the question is, in what way do we need to remember our Creator by acting decisively on some matter right now? That's what it means to remember Him. You honor Him. You say, I trust you with my life. I remember you. I remember your faithfulness. I remember who you are. I remember what you can do. Ah, act decisively. Go for it. Now, perhaps it means changing an I can't to an I won't. Perhaps it means not waiting on the winds, not waiting for things to improve before doing something. You do not know. You do not know. You do not know. Embrace the uncertainties of life and experience a surprise-filled journey toward deeply knowing the one who made us. Stories told of an Indian who found an egg to an eagle's nest. But he returned the egg to the nest of a prairie chicken. The hen sat on this eagle's egg and the eaglet was hatched alongside the prairie chickens. All his life, the eagle, thinking he was a prairie chicken, did what the prairie chickens did. He dug in the dirt for insects to eat. He, he, he clocked and he cackled. And he flew in a brief thrashing of wings and a flurry of feathers no more than a few feet off the ground. After all, that's how prairie chickens were supposed to fly. Years passed. One day this eagle saw a magnificent bird far above him in the cloudless sky. Hanging with graceful majesty on the powerful wind currents. This bird soared with scarcely a beat of its strong Golden wings. What a beautiful bird, said the eagle to his friend. What is it? That's an eagle, the chief of the birds, his chicken friend clucked. But don't give it a second thought. You could never be like him. And so the changeling eagle never gave it another thought, and he died thinking it was a prairie chicken. (laughs) What a shame. Made to soar, but settling for a prairie, chicken-like existence. What a shame. Believers promised abundant life to soar like eagles, but instead settle for something far less than they were made for. Let's soar. Let's live the adventure. Let's trust in Him. Let's put away our excuses. Let's go for it. In him are the boundaries, but for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, honestly, you know, my first pass through Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and I went, oh my, (laughs) what is it saying to us today? What is the application to our lives? Oh, and it's clear. Life is an adventure with you. We can't wait for everything to just line up exactly how we'd like it to line up before we move forward. So God, keep us from paralysis analysis. Keep us from getting stuck in mediocre lands and settle for prairie chicken-like existence. And we were made to soar. We were made to live life to the fullest, giving accounts for all that we do. And so God, help us to trust. Help us to obey. We, by your grace and by your strength and by your power, we can do it. For his sake and his name, amen.